Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 36, Halftime. to Makers of Sport Halftime, the 20-minute show on the off weeks of interviews where I discuss topics such as professionalism, entrepreneurship, and business to help you in your careers so that you can apply it to the sports industry. On this episode, I'm going to be discussing the topic of authority, getting authority with your clients. Now, I don't mean in a jerk way being a prima donna, and crying to clients about ideas. Rather, I mean in a strategic way, selling your expertise, where your client trusts you and values your opinion and will listen to you. Where you aren't just the client's hands, digitally pushing pixels as they metaphorically stand over your shoulders telling you where to put things. Now, to begin, one must keep in mind that not all clients will be receptive of these new practices I'm going to teach you, especially the ones you have had a relationship with for a long time, and possibly they are used to you being that yes person. As an industry overall, we have done a terrible job selling the right solutions to clients, and we have given them too much power over us. Now, many of them, in my experience, view us as technicians, creators that are simply there to execute their ideas because they themselves do not know Photoshop. Now, I believe this to be our fault as an industry. Somewhere along the line, creators as a professional partner was dropped and our industry became a bunch of yes men and women. Yes, sir. Whatever you want, sir. Where do you want me to put the logo, ma'am? If you look at the designers of yesteryear, historic names we've all studied, such as the legendary Paul Rand, Massimo Vignelli, and Saul Bass, these designers were not yes people. They did not succumb to whatever the client asked them to do. You see, as designers... We are visual communicators and problem solvers. It is our job to solve problems with our creative skill and learned knowledge, a knowledge that we continue to build on over our careers. The client's job is to give us the parameters in which to solve those problems, not solve the problem itself by providing an idea for us to execute. Now, I don't adopt the customer is always right mentality. This is not McDonald's. What we are providing is a service, a service that strategically helps clients get their messaging across to a set of users, fans, customers, etc. When Paul Rand was asked by Steve Jobs, whom we all know was a very adamant person when it comes to his own ideas, to provide a design for Steve's next computer company, company Steve founded when he was fired from Apple. 
Steve asked if Paul Rand would be providing multiple solutions so he could comb through them, add his own input, and finally select one to go with. Paul simply stated, according to Jobs, No, I will solve your problem for you, and you will pay me. You don't have to use the solution. If you want options, go talk to other people. But I'll solve your problem for you the best way that I know how. And you can use it or not. That's up to you. You're the client. But you will pay me. Now, based on this, we see that Paul set expectations ahead of time when it comes to working with him as a designer. We should all take a page out of Rand's book when it comes to setting client expectations early. One of the ways to set these expectations is to always have a contract, clearly stating what you will do for the client. Provide in the contract what you will leave with the client as deliverables. Also provide a payment schedule requiring deposit up front. Payment terms can vary. Sometimes creatives will require 50% up front and 50% upon the remainder of the project. If the project is a long, drawn-out project, such as a large rebranding or website, you might set the payment terms in time frames or when specific deliverables are met, such as upfront payment, payment upon deliverable of first-round concepts, and final payment upon remainder of the project. Now, I may actually bring my lawyer on in the future for one of these halftime episodes to discuss things like contracts, but it's out of the scope for this particular halftime. However, having contracts establishes you as a professional. It shows the client that you have been around the block a time or two and are not some green freelancer in your mom's basement. Even if you are a green freelancer in your mom's basement, you should have contracts on all that you do. That is the reality of being a professional. Design is not art. It can be art. But design is to provide something for an end user. It is commercial. It is business. Another way to establish authority and trust in a client relationship is to have a well-thought-out, clearly-defined process. Perhaps even publish that process on your site so pending clients can see before they choose to work with you what it is. State that process and your proposals to reiterate it and assure your client that you will arrive at a solution based on this process. It helps establish trust and lets the client know that you aren't just fiddling around waiting on inspiration or throwing concepts at the wall until something sticks. This process becomes a part of your value system. You stick to it. Don't bend on it. Big corporations have policies. They don't bend on policies. Think about trying to get paid from a university or some large corporation that will attempt to not bend on your payment terms because they have some bureaucratic policy in place. You too can and should put policies in place in your business. Processes that you stick to no matter the client. This is why they hire you. I recommend viewing design as more than simply a visual art, but rather a strategic tool that is used to help improve bottom lines for clients, increase customers, 
and solve problems. We as an industry often complain about not having the respect of lawyers, accountants, or other professionals. But that is because we as an industry overall have not strived to prove ourselves worthy of it. Think about it for a minute. You have contributed to this. I know you have. I've also contributed to this in my early years as a freelancer. Learning business is not a part of the curriculums of design schools for some crazy reason. We tend to become known as prima donnas to clients. Now, the big problem in providing visual solutions is that any human being with the ability to see has the ability to make a subjective opinion on said visual solution. It is our natural reaction to be subjective when looking at visual elements. Everyone has different personal aesthetics and tastes. And because design for so long has positioned itself as art, we leave way too much up to subjective matters. Art is subjective. Design is objective. One can achieve authority in these situations by selling their design and making sure that the design decisions that were made were based on objective measures such as research, strategy, and knowing the client's industry. Prove to the client that you have learned about them and not just made visual choices because you like them. Sure, our opinions on aesthetics as designers matter much more than non-designers because we are trained. We understand composition, layout, typography, and color theory. But simply stating this training to a client is not something that they will take serious when it comes to respecting you as the authority. You have to prove to them your intelligence. Don't over-talk them, but explain to them in ways they understand why you made the design choices you made and why they are right for them and their company. I once was art directing a designer and the person had this really cool looking design for a college sports poster. The poster was for non-revenue sports at a school uh, for and for you uninitiated, basically that is any sport that isn't college football or basketball in the college sports industry. Anyhow, the composition of this designer's layout was really nice. Aesthetically, I really liked it. However, the person did not have domain expertise. The expertise I discussed in the halftime positioning episode, episode 30. The designer did not know or understand that giving a sport like men's golf the visual hierarchy over the other sports simply based on composition of the photos was not going to fly in the approval process. Now, any person that has worked in college sports understands that each coach subjectively views their sport as the most important, and they will fight for it. In this instance, I knew this would not fly because I knew the approval processes and that coaches would see it and that coaches would be upset especially when historically the women's volleyball program at this particular school was much more successful than the men's golf program at this time. Now, I nixed the designer's concept and told them to give each sport equal visual hierarchy. The designer relented, 
stating that they felt like they should have the opportunity to sell their concept. So I asked them, sell it. Sell it to me. Why do you think this is better? Now, basically, the sell ended up being very subjective. The designer believed that it looked best. Now, this may be true, but it did not solve the impending sports hierarchy problem and would just allow the client to offer their own subjective opinion on visual aesthetics. Learn to sell your work. Sell it for reasons other than you think it looks good. I'm sure it does. You are a designer after all. But when selling a design to a client, you need to sell it in a strategic way based off of research and tangible data that can be pointed to as the reasons you made the choices you did and why they work. Never be afraid of conflict or speaking your opinion. No one actually likes conflict, but sometimes it's a necessary evil and can be influential in you establishing expertise in a professional relationship. You won't get punched in the face for disagreeing with a client. And if you do, well, you probably should have never chosen to work with that client in the first place because they're a Pick your battles, of course, but don't be all yes, sir, yes, ma'am, all day when it comes to working with clients. If you allow the client to make a terrible decision, you will be blamed for it when the fallout happens. I guarantee it. You need to save the clients from themselves sometimes, even in subtle ways. Focus on small wins and compromises. Famous advertising art director George Lois once threatened to jump out of a client's New York City window if they didn't buy the, cl- the concept that he was pitching to them. It has become a bit of a folklore in the advertising industry. Now, I'm in no way advocating for this, but definitely don't be afraid to speak your mind. Respectfully disagreeing is undervalued by us creative people when it comes to gaining respect. Say no to something and fight for an idea that you believe in. However, make sure that the reason you believe in it is more than because you think it looks good, but rather strategically it will work in the client's benefit. I've actually found that larger budget clients respect your opinion much more than clients that are price shopping based on budget. And you would be surprised at some of the super large sports-related brands that shop based on budget and don't focus on value. That large sports brand is like Walmart. They make billions, and they can afford to pay you a lot of money. But they can get any designer they want because they're begging to work for them for basically free. So it will be tough in that instance, to exert yourself as the authority in that relationship. Psychology is at play here. My recommendation is to take the smaller clients, the ones you can establish true change, great results, and authority. Eventually, after working with so many of these types of clients, you may establish enough authority and expertise to the point where You have great case studies with proven results, and the larger client will seek you out. 
When a client specifically seeks you out because they want to work with you, you will know it. In these instances, you have the upper hand. I'm not talking about the blind email you get asking for a quote, but I'm talking about the client that specifically contacted you and only you because you have established a track record of expertise and good work and have become known for something. I've had the opportunity to work with some pretty big brands in sports and in the commercial world. Some known, some B2B, and some on non-disclosure. I can tell you from my experience that I'd much rather work with a company or organization that values me as much more than just their digital hands, but as a real strategic partner sitting directly across from them and not beneath them. These clients are a true joy to work with. There is a trust, and I deeply care about them, their results, and their brand. The big boys will be fine regardless. As a single creative, we can't affect that much change in a larger organization, but we can end smaller ones. The smaller schools, smaller teams, smaller brands, establish the authority there and you will certainly work your way up to the bigger brands seeking you out eventually. The NFL hires a Fraser Davidson not because he's begged to work for them, but because he and his company, Cub Studio, have established themselves as a talented, professional animation shop that has provided top-quality work in the sports industry before. Lastly, you should constantly be posting content to the web. Newsletters, tweeting, writing, even podcasting to show your expertise. Speak at events if you can, even locally or in-house at your own organization. Showing visuals is never enough when it comes to developing authority strategically with clients or the people that you answer to when it comes to creating. If you want to be an illustrator, sure, show visuals and you'll be fine. You're picked based on your visual style and a lot of times are being art directed and told exactly what to provide in those instances. But if you want to be a designer, art director, or creative director, you need to establish authority by telling the world you are an authority. No one else is going to do it for you. Now, self-promotion and arrogance are a fine line but you can put out content that helps others, informs others, little teasers that maybe help a client or a potential client to do something, learn something. That will act as self-promotion for you. If someone learns something from you, you will be looked at as the authority for that thing. Teach what you know within reason. Give those little teasers and clients will recognize you as the expert and hire you to do the thing that they cannot do themselves, or even their in-house designer who may, from a talent perspective, be able to do the thing, but has not strategically positioned themselves as anything more than a pixel-pushing pet. Now, I'll leave you with this. The recently deceased and famous graphic designer whom I mentioned earlier, Massimo Vignelli, states in his educational book, The Vignelli Canon, that as designers, we have three levels of responsibility. One, to ourselves, the integrity of the project and its components. Two, to the client, 
to solve the problem in a way that is economically sound and efficient. Three, to the public at large, the consumer, the user of the final design. Notice the order in which he listed those. We must focus on our own integrity first, then the integrity of the client. Here's hoping this podcast will encourage you to put that integrity first in working to get a respectful authority in your professional relationships with clients. If you have any questions or comments for me on this topic or have suggestions for any other topics you'd like for me to discuss in these halftime episodes, then feel free to email me at info at makersofsport.com. Next week's episode guest will be Matt Lang. Matt is the director of football creative for the Alabama Crimson Tide, arguably one of the best college football programs in the history of college football. Matt has been around the sports design scene for a while and has a story of fighting through a layoff to eventually get to the NFL and now with the Crimson Tide. I'm positive it will be inspiring to you. As always, please like, rate, and write reviews of the show on iTunes. You can get there by going to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. I'll also accept likes or ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever else you happen to be listening to this podcast. Here is a review recently written this week by a listener, Oz Loya. Oz writes, Hi Adam, I recently found this podcast and honestly can't get enough. The content has been really insightful from the top designers and creatives in the industry. I just finished my master's in design and recently started my own business. Definitely taking tips from yourself and your guests. Really enjoying the content. Greetings from North Mexico. Oz, gracias por escuchar. The rest of you, please go to makersofsport.com slash iTunes right now and hit that five star. Even better, write something on there telling other listeners or myself how much you like the show and what you like about it. Lastly, follow me ask questions, or say hello to me on Twitter and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash makersofsport. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter and Dribble. The show is at makersofsport. Until next time, have a good week.